Hey, this is Darren Tyler. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast at Conduit Church. If you'd like more information about us, you can find that at conduitchurch.com. Today's uh, message was actually a sort of a combination of Miss Bobby, who was uh, an 81-year-old matriarch that was part of the original church that bought the property that we were uh, given. So it's actually an amazing story, and she has some really great wisdom that we wanted to share with you. And then the last 20 minutes is just uh, me talking about the mother of all days, not just Mother's Day, but the mother of all days. And so whether you're a mom or not, uh, there's some really great truth that the Lord uh, had for me personally for this, and hopefully it impacts you the same way. We really are grateful to everyone who uh, listens to the podcast. Drop me a line sometime, Darren at ConduitMission.org. That's Darren at ConduitMission.org. And let me know where you're listening from. Thanks. You know, Mother's Day is just such a, a special day because we all have, of everything we have uh, that is not in common, we all have one thing in common, and that is that we were born, and we all have a mama <laughs> somewhere in the, in the chain of this. So uh, as we thought about today, one of the, um, again, if you're visiting, you, you may not know some of this stuff, but we've been around as a church, as Conduit Church for five years. Uh, as far as we, well, we started meeting on Sunday mornings and invited grown-ups. That's when we called it a church, but... Uh, last year, the Lord allowed us uh, the privilege of moving into this property here. Um, we were meeting at a high school, and we moved in here uh, to be a year ago <laughs> next month. Wow. Um, weird. So a year ago, we moved uh, in. But what happened was that the Lord, uh, at a time when we didn't even know where we were going to go, we didn't know if we would even be a church this year because we had nowhere to go. Uh, we had given, uh, we'd been quote unquote irresponsibly generous, uh, building churches and orphanages around the world. And, but what we didn't know was that the Lord had a plan all along and that we moved into this property. And what now is a building that we come into and, uh, and get to worship the Lord next to. And we talked last week about how this is kind of just a troop carrier. Uh, it didn't just start last year. This building was built, uh, designed and protected by God for us. But he doesn't, you know how the Lord does, he moves through us and he could have absolutely rained a building and dropped it, but he didn't. Instead, he rained a vision inside of uh, a people uh, of which most are no, no, no longer with us from 28 years ago, but one of them is. And if you came through the front door this morning, you, you might have met Miss Bobby already, but Miss Bobby was one of the original founding members. It was her and her husband uh, who had the vision for this, what would become this building uh, back in the 1980-somethings. And so we wanted to wish, Miss Bobby, would you come down here? We wanted to wish you a happy Mother's Day, not just as mother of your children, but the mother of this as well, <laughs> the matriarch <laughs> of this property. So, Miss Bobby. She, uh, she brought this morning uh, some pictures that she had, uh, had found from back when this thing was constructed. Uh, it was built... Kind of like we build churches in Haiti, quite honestly. A bunch of guys just descended in, guys and girls with hammers and Jesus, and, uh, and built this thing from the ground up. So, Miss Bobby, when you had this vision in 1980-something, to, to see this be born and to be you know, this outpost for the kingdom, and now you look out and see what the Lord has done, what, what does that do for you? And can you tell us a little bit about how the Lord led you to where we are right now? What it does for me... It gets me to the point where I can't really talk about it because there's no words to really express 
what I felt the first day that you people started walking through those doors. There's never been a doubt that this hasn't been a special church. It's really had its problems, and it's seen good times, and it saw an awful lot of bad times. If we hadn't have had the bad times, y'all probably would have never been here because we wouldn't have needed each other. But I think in a different way than what I did this morning, okay? I know you're Baptist, but let the Holy Ghost leave. (laughs) (laughs) Back back in the 80s, who would have thought of I-65? 840. You could drive down and see the church steeple. Maybe there's not too many here that are old enough to have thought about that. But this is a perfect spot for God's church. But the thing is, at the very beginning, God was always in place. But sometimes he was in the wrong place. We thought we could do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. And that we could say, hey, this time next year, we're going to have so many people here. We're going to have so much and do so much. But unless God tells us that's what's going to happen, we can work ourselves to death, which we did do. And it never accomplish anything and we came so far one time that we met to sell the place there was five families seven people we hawked everything we could come up with none of us had any money and we still don't I mean I'm about the only one that's left um but we still don't have any money. But God wanted this church, and he saw it was put here. So when we met to sell, instead of selling, somebody said, well, let's give it one more chance. And uh, man that worked for us had a friend that had just been ordained a pastor, and he was an older man. And he says, I bet he'd come and talk. So he met with us, and my husband told him, he said, well, when you come to meet with us, there might be seven people there, and there were seven people. And we took him down to um, Paytonsville, what is that? It used to be the restaurant there on Paytonsville Road, there by uh, where the um, service station is now. And uh, we talked to him, and he says, okay, I'll come. So he came, and he was our pastor, and he was got from God because he was the pastor here for seven years. The first two years, he didn't get a penny of money. We bought him a set of tires for a short, uh, Christmas present. <laughs> he came all the way from uh, Hendersonville twice on Sunday, and then every day of the week, he was on the field. If that wasn't a man of God... 
you tell me one. I have seen, and of course with this, as many as we are now, I started to say you people are, but it's not you people, it's we. Hmm. As many as we are now, 120 doesn't sound like much to go. But I saw this place have 120 people in it. And start with seven up to 120. That's pretty good. So then times started changing. And as all of you know, too many people nowadays think they can get by without God. They don't need him. So we started dwindling. And then it came to the point where I'd say, and I'm probably wrong, but I would say 95% of your churches now are for a good time church. Let's have dinner together. Let's, uh, we'll, well, the guys even go hunting, go fishing, anything, but really worship God. So, of course, the people that really wanted to worship God, few in number, would not come to the church because so many of the churches gave so much more. So we got to the point where something had to be done. So Jim took over. This is almost the part where you get to meet me. It's my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) And there were two churches, and they they wanted to join us. And uh, we met with First Church. We asked them a lot of questions, and I think the next week we met with y'all. Yeah, that was a blast. And uh, Jim told us before we met with your group. Okay, now I want y'all to talk and ask some questions just like you ask the other group. Well, when we got here, I think Jim asked a couple of questions and somebody else asked a question. Then they clammed up, didn't they? Oh, Nobody yeah, would like answer. Church mice, yep. So there was an old woman sitting there in that group and she opened her mouth And she asked, gave her kind of question she could think of. <laughs> and he answered them. And then he answered one. I don't even know what I asked. Oh, that old woman I asked. I don't know what she asked. Yeah. <laughs> and he answered. And I sat there a minute. I don't have any idea what you answered. Uh-huh, but I said, okay, but what are you? Where do you stand? So after the meeting, and I can't even think of the guy's name, the one that went to... A Rob party. Juilliard. Okay. I was standing back at the, uh, back there at the back, and he came after the meeting. He says, uh, Miss Bobby, now I've never met him before. I had never met any of you people before. <laughs> and uh, he says, um, I want to talk to you. I says, okay, I need it. And he told me that your preacher, our preacher, was a wonderful person to work with. And that he would go out on, don't get the big head. It's it's too late, actually. (laughs) He would go out of his way to work with anybody for anything he thought that God wanted him to do and was for the church. Well, the next week we had our vote. 
Now, I don't know how you people feel about putting out the fleece, but I put it out a couple of times in my life. And the Sunday before, the Sunday morning that we were going to have the vote, I put out the fleece. We had three different votes. And God, I don't even remember what the, how they went, but anyway, he told me to vote on number three. So I walked in that morning, and I walked to Jeff, up to Jim, and I said, Jim, I said, what's number three? He said, well, that's not what we want, Bobby. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to vote on number three. And I did. And I was the only one that voted against you. <laughs> but God told me to. And if I put out the police, if I wasn't going to pay any attention to him, I put it out. So anyway, of course, you know, y'all got the vote. <laughs> And that first Sunday, when those doors opened up and new people started coming in, this answers your question. Maybe I went around the world to answer it. How did I feel? We finally let God be in control. I knew someday there'd be a church. I knew it would be for the Lord. But do you people realize, hey, there's not another one of you in here close to my age, I don't think. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. But do you people realize what you can do at your age? Don't put it off like I have. If y'all stay on fire for the Lord that you are now, think what you can do. There's not a doubt in my mind I was told to vote against you. But I was told to vote against you so I would see that I would follow God's will. So y'all remember that. One of the main things I am going to say this, I said a lot of different things this morning, but one of the main things for our church when we started out was, and I don't know how many of you people have ever been hurt in church, <laughs> or All you got something against wherever you were grown, and that's why you stayed out of church for so long, because I know a lot of us have stayed out of church, even The young people, after they get out of high school, they usually go away from church for a while and then come back. But remember, as far as I have seen, and I I think I missed one service. I missed a lot in the back, but I haven't missed, I think, but one service here. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any cliques. Especially the women know about cliques. I think that's so wrong. (laughs) Because you know what? We're all equal. Our God is the one God. And because somebody's got a quarter and I've got a penny, the one with the quarter is no better off than I am, and I'm no better off than they are.
we're all equal. And remember that and treat each other with that respect and with that love and keep God first. Hey, this place is not going to hold you. But he's got the right idea. Keep it small here and keep it flowing. Too many churches now, oh, look how big our church are. Well, what is it? It's cold when we walk into it. Hmm. If y'all want a cold church, work for it. <laughs> if you want a church for God, work for God. <laughs> well, look, Ms. Bobby, we love you, and we're so grateful to get to be. Um, yeah. Never, never follow babies. Never follow babies or older women. So I'm just going to let this awkward silence stay for just a second. Okay, now I can start. Um, so Miss Bobby has brought up so many things, and I want to tell you one story about Miss Bobby real quick. A couple of guys that were volunteers that built this church have stopped by over the last few months, and they all talk about this lady who was here every morning making biscuits. And they talk about her biscuits like they were manna from heaven. Because they are. <laughs> She's the biscuit maker. <laughs> Miss Bobby not only put blood, sweat, and tears and finances into this place, but she put her heart, she put her soul, and she put her service. And she made biscuits for the guys who volunteered to build the walls that we sit in. And so in that way, I want to re recruit you. I want to um, invite you to be part of something that we're doing. On Wednesday nights, we have a Bible study. We have a couple of different Bible studies actually called Deeper. And uh, we have a number of children that come to play. So this week we played soccer and the boys were against the girls. There were three girls and me. I'm not a girl, but I was on the girls team. And there were about five or six boys. And the boys had to uh, get down in like a crab style to play soccer. And so as we're playing, I got to show the kids how to do a split because the grass was wet. Now, I'm not, I'm not a real thin guy, nor am I very flexible. But that's the kind of fun you can have on Wednesday night. So if you're interested in having that kind of fun with a bunch of kids, we need your help. We need, it's from 6.45 to 8.15. And if you're not involved in Deeper, please come see me afterwards. I need a couple of folks to help watch kids. Sometimes we play kickball. Sometimes we do splits. Sometimes there's gymnastics involved. But most of the time, it's a good time, and we need your help. So if you're available, please see me after the service. I'll be in the back. Thank you. Thanks, man. For those of you that have been participating on Wednesdays, we ask ourselves the question, which was, you know, what is it that you wanted to know more about? You know, uh, you've heard me joke this way, but, you know, the pastor's job is to uh, answer a bunch of questions nobody's asking. Um, and so what we've decided, you know, hey, what if, what if we actually went in, this is what I really want to know, this is where my heart is. And instead of just doing a Wednesday night service where I'm, you know, the talking head, but invite others, we have other people's teaching gifts being involved. Uh, there are many great Bible teachers in here, many great leaders. And so for this nine weeks, 
Uh, Robin is teaching a Bible study on Second Corinthians. Uh, Jim Gosney is teaching on apologetics. I'm hosting a Discover Conduit. And then we're going to do that for, you know, eight more weeks. We'll take a couple weeks off, and we'll do it again for nine weeks. Um, and invite you just into that process. So that's what's happening. And if you're already full and fed and you're in the Word already, maybe you're somebody that could come and just hang out with the kids for a little bit. You don't even have to be signed up for all eight weeks from here on out, or seven weeks, six, how many weeks you get? Uh, but just one week. Just let you know, if, if you could do that, that would be awesome as well. So see Cortland. And if you would open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs... While you're turning there, I, I, uh, Edie Bassanio reached out to me this week, one of my favorite mamas, and she said, hey, uh, my uh, son River's tire is flat, and Tim is out making a movie, probably blowing something up, I don't know, we didn't really get to the bottom of that, but uh, for the TV show, and he can't be there, and so could you kind of oversee uh, him uh, changing this tire? And, and she was very specific, I want you to know this, to say, don't, no, don't uh, change it for him. But let him, so you can help teach him. And what I saw that day was that just like in many things when we're trying to teach our kids something, uh, someone's already beat them to it. You know, the talk. And you're like, Mom, I already heard this, like in seventh grade. Um, so what happened actually that day was a couple of his buddies, uh, there's a homeschool cooperative uh, tutorial that meets in here, and school was out. And so, you know, I'm out there, and a couple of his buddies roll out, and they already know what they're doing. And so I'm kind of supervising while they're changing the tire on his, uh, on his SUV. And, but what really happened, I, I, I probably should have told you this privately, but I'll go ahead and just, since you're here. Um, <laughs> what was hysterical was, as they're changing the tire, they're kind of like on the ground and doing, you know, all of a sudden this gaggle of girls begins to gather around, okay? And they're kind of being eighth grady, and they, uh, and one of them, and this is an honest-to-God quote, says, I've never even seen a flat tire in person before. <laughs> And, and one of them, and one of them does one of these. She's taking a, a selfie, trying to get herself in the picture. I don't know what the hashtag on Instagram, maybe you could tell me if that happened. But, um, but I mentioned to River, and I don't even know if you heard me say this because, you know, it was a lot going on. But I said to River, uh, hey, look, they're not always going to be this easy to impress, just so you know. <laughs> like, that's, this is going to get harder but at this point, drink that in, like puff your chest out and just, you know, take it in <laughs> because at some point that's not going to work anymore. Like they're going to be a lot harder to impress than right now than changing a tire. And the main reason, uh, I think the main reason why they become harder to impress is, uh, childbirth <laughs> because once you've done that, there's nothing I can do to top that. No amount of times, I could mow the yard 10 times a day and it still wouldn't top that. I've uh, been on the business end four times of a baby being born. And it's the closest equivalent to shoving a ham through your nose that I've ever seen. Like it's, I don't know, a guy can't do that. Like snake jaws, just unhinged and the, the baby, can, it's like, it's, it's something that we, as men, can't do. <laughs> it's seriously, you young fathers, or maybe old fathers, you remember the first time thinking, wow, <laughs> like that's amazing. So when a mom is doing that kind of stuff, as a young man, the advice I give you is, 
you, you drink this while you can because eventually you're going to have to really work for their respect. But that day as I was, you know, heeding mama's advice for River, you know, it's, I mean, Miss Bobby just gave us advice and you mamas have given your children advice. And just based upon that act alone, we should listen to your advice because you apparently have this superpower that we should listen to. And Proverbs 31, Solomon, like the leader of the free world, is reading back his, the, the advice that his mama had given him so long ago. So, And it stuck in his mind so much that he was able to remember it and recite it back. In verse 1, it's the, the words of King Lemuel, which was his pet name from his mama. As it turns out, the, the leader of the free world at that time was a mama's boy. Verse 2, he says, What, my son, and what son of my womb, and what son of my vows... Verse 3, do not, this is the advice now. She's going to tell him three things. Do not give your strength to women, not, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. Saying, don't give yourself to loose women. And if you've been around and you've had relationships in college, you regret it, you, what you know is that it just saps the strength out of you. It's everything you can do. And he's, she's saying, just stay away from, well, floozies. Stay away from floozies, Solomon. In verse 4, it says, it's not for kings, Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. But for you, Solomon, look, don't, because you don't know at what time someone is going to need your judgment. You're a king. At any moment, the door could open and someone has to, you got to make a decision that people's lives depend on. And if you're inebriated, you're going to make bad decisions. I can sum up most of the bad decisions in my life and half of them, if there was alcohol involved, would have been them. Bad decisions. Don't, just don't. So stay away from floozies and stay away from the boozies. <laughs> in verse 8, and open your mouth for the, for the speechless, for those who do not have a voice. In the cause of all who were appointed to die, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. I can't think of better advice that you could possibly get. That, that just it narrows it down so well. And then Solomon would, would begin to say to his mama, here, this virtuous woman passage, which if you've been around a while, you've maybe heard this as, uh, as when you're looking for a wife. Or a woman, this is it. But he's writing about his mother. And it starts out that a wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her, and he lacks nothing of value. He's saying, for modern parlance, if you will, he can trust her with the debit card. She's not out there racking up a bunch of debt that he's got to go deliver pizzas and go through a financial peace university to get themselves out of. She's, she could trust her with that. She brings him good and not harm. All the days of her life, she selects wool and flax with eager hands. She, she makes stuff. It's like she's got a great Pinterest account with lots of followers. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. 
She goes to Trader Joe's instead of Whole Foods because it's a lot further, but it's cheaper. She drives all the way. <laughs> anyway, uh, she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She's taking care of those that are her staff and the people that are working for her. And up before, you know, like Miss Bobby, up before breakfast, before daylight, making biscuits. She considers a field and she buys it. And of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's uh, the urban farmer. Whole Foods, organic, Instagram farmer. She sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her tasks. She works out at the Y. She sees that her trading is profitable. She participates in consignment sales in the spring and the fall and the winter. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. And for those of you, especially who have new babies, you're like, oh, that's so true. All night long, this kid. Heads up, it doesn't get better. <laughs> like they, do. they go from feeding at night to puking at night to, I mean, it's just, you're, if you're a mama, your light is on at night. In verse 19, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She's an artist and she's like making tapestries. And she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She's involved in charity work. She's taking in maybe family members who are in need and uh, who need help. And so she's, she's got that as well. And when it snows, verse 21, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She basically shopped the clearance uh, rack in Target in the spring, buying all the winter clothes for next year. She's prepared. She makes coverings for her bed and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Just like the artist formerly known as Prince. I don't, I don't really have a modern thing for that. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat amongst the elders of the land, speaking that her husband is someone who's a man of judgment and who in those days when you needed a decision made, you would go to the city gates and, and the older wise men would help to make the decisions. She makes uh, linen garments and she sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and she does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not just sitting around watching soap operas, reading Fifty Shades. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women do noble things, and he's speaking of his mama, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. His mama, one of the most beautiful women in the land, one that David would risk his entire kingdom for, Bathsheba. And he says of her that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her work bring her praise at the city gate. I, I read that and as a man and as a son, as a husband, I read that and think, wow, that's my wife. Just like many of you do. A woman reads that and thinks, that's not me. A woman reads this like she's looking over somebody's Instagram feed or somebody's Facebook feed and thinks, oh man, I suck at this. I didn't do that. I didn't. And so we begin to look at a list like that and feel this weight of where I'm missing it. And as a mom, especially of all the things that your kids could give you today, what you really want to know is that you did it okay, that you're doing okay, that you're actually winning at this mom thing. That's what you really want. Someone to tell you that. 
And that video, that moment where the, uh, the, the actor looks to the actor mom and says, Mom, I'm taking it all with me, everything you put inside of me. That's what we want. We want our kids to tell us that. And I wonder if Bathsheba wanted to hear that because Bathsheba never got to read these words. They were written after her death. This wasn't a Mother's Day card for Bathsheba. This was a, a, maybe a, a, a eulogy in, in hindsight. And I wonder, I don't know, if it is how she really was every day or if there's a little bit of it romanticizes how his mama really was. I know that when my mother died and I got to speak at the funeral, I gave a highlight reel because that's what I remembered of her. Because that's what I, I felt and I loved that about my mom. And I wondered if my mom would have given her own eulogy if it would have looked a little different. And today, as you're looking forward, when you look at this, maybe it's not that you're going to get all this right on any given day, but there are moments in all of our lives where we're just nailing it in one area and we're dying in 30 other areas. And we're nailing it here, but over here I blew it. I lost my blue, my stack with my kid on the way home. But man, I was up and I made breakfast and their food. So we're looking at this thing and I can't live up to this. And I would say to you this morning, let, let's look at what, it, let's, let's presume that Bathsheba nailed it every day. Let's presume that everything on this list, that her Facebook feed wasn't just the highlight reel, it was everything. She is killing it. And think about how did Solomon do? How did King Lemmy do? Stay away from loose women. 1 Kings eleven three tells us that Solomon had a thousand wives. Not only did he not stay away from them, he ran headlong into them. I want one of every kind. King Lemmy, my little Lemmy. And keeping in mind Bathsheba, during her lifetime, it was recorded, she actually had a seat on, like, next to his throne. She had a front row seat to his train wreck. And maybe she felt like you or some mamas feel that I didn't do this right or I sure didn't hear any credit from it. So he blew it with the women. Hey, stay away from strong drink. Don't get hammered. It's recorded that there was always strong drink flowing at the palace. Crazy parties. Michael Jackson kind of parties. <laughs> like, no, no, you think I'm kidding. He, it says in 1 Kings uh, 10, 21 or 2, that he actually sent his ships from afar and brought back monkeys and baboons and peacocks. They just roamed the palace. Like crazy stuff going on. And there's his mama thinking, did I blow it? Did I, did I, look what's happening. He didn't stay away from the floozies and he's sure not staying away from the boozies. But maybe the richest man in, the, in that time in history, a man so rich that it says that he didn't even bother with silver because he didn't have room for it. He'd walk by a piece of silver going, yeah, yeah, look, I got no room for that. It's gold, gold, rich, like bearing sea gold times a million. And did he care for the poor with all these possessions and all this wealth that he had? It's recorded when he died in 1 Kings 10, I believe. Maybe it's a little further down. That when his son took over, that the people begged him to alleviate the taxes that he had put on them, that it was too much. The oppression was too great. 
that the poor and the needy were being taxed and they begged the, his son, his, please, would you, your father has been too oppressive to us. And that's what Bathsheba, that's the Solomon that Bathsheba went to her grave knowing. And she never got the credit. She never got the thank you. Unless you, like me, believe that Bathsheba had joined the great cloud of witnesses that overlooks and got to see it all. That she maybe understood, maybe more than any of us, the principle that Jesus taught us when he said to them, don't pray like the Pharisees who pray in public to be seen, but pray, go, when you pray, go to the closet and close your door and pray in private that the Lord who sees what you've done in private will reward you openly. And I truly believe that every ounce of effort that you've put into your children, whether or not it is rewarded this side of heaven, Jesus knows. He gets it. And the God that sees what you've done in secret will reward you publicly. Maybe not on this day, but on the mother of all days. (laughs) Not just Mother's Day, but that day, the mother load day. When you stand before our Father, when you stand and Jesus is there, and you might be thinking, yeah, Mama, I'm a mama that really blew this one. I botched it. He would say to all of us that though your, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. That right now I don't know fully, but someday I will fully know. That those children for you mamas that maybe were up, put up for adoption, the children that maybe were miscarried, the children whose terminacies or pregnancies were terminated, imagine the reunion on that day. A day when the sins are washed white as snow. A day when all is forgiven and it's all like around the throne. I think, wow, for those mamas that maybe your babies are already in heaven, you get to join them again. And I, not Mother's Day, but the mother of all days. Ronald Reagan used to tell a story about a young man who went on a game show and he had to choose behind one of the three doors that were available to him. And he chose door number three. And so the music cranks and Monty Hall was, oh, open the door. And behind door number one is like a brand new TV, you know, and wow, he didn't get the TV. And behind brand, uh, door number two is uh, like a vacation to Jamaica and that door. And he's like, oh, and we all know what happens behind door number three is the booby prize. You're going down at this point. So door number three opens and there's this giant pile of steaming manure with a shovel in it. And the young man storms the stage and grabs the shovel and starts digging. And Monty Hall is like, why? What what are you doing? It's just a pile of poo. And he's like, yeah, but with all this poop, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) And for every day you wake up and you shovel (laughs) as a mother. I don't know if there's a pony in there somewhere, but I know there's a horse, a white one. One that will carry our Savior on it someday. And upon his return, on the mother of all days, all that poo is washed away. The shovel is put down as he looks at you and says, well done, my faithful servant. And even for those of you that maybe you've sent your, you've, uh, in this day and age, those of us that decisions that were younger and we put a child up for adoption and 
You think, that's all I do. I get that. And look, again, we sometimes, because we know this, because we've seen it, we, we sort of romanticize it. But you gave birth for the love of all that's holy. That's huge. If that's all you ever did to allow God to use your womb to create life, even for you on that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. And for those of us that then realized that labor wasn't just the, uh, the, the doctor's office or the hospital labor, that just, started the, <laughs> that just started it all. And every day you've shoveled and every day you get up again and shovel some more. I truly believe it with all that's in me. I believe it. I can't promise you that you're enough. I can't promise you that you're nailing it in every area because I don't think it's possible because you, like me, turn out to be human. And for our father who looked at all of us as humans and said, I I remember them and I feel bad for them because I remember that they were really just dust that I breathed life into. He looks at you and says, I got it. As far as you can carry this thing, I'm going to carry it the rest of the way. You see, Bathsheba, in every good day and every bad day, what she may or may not have even known. Matthew 1 tells us, verse 6, that the bloodline of Jesus ran directly through her. And maybe you know it and maybe you don't, but today I want to remind you that in the middle of all that crap, Jesus is running right through the middle of it. He's running the ball down the field. He is there at the beginning. He'll be there at the end. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And so I would encourage you today to feel the freedom of knowing that, you know what, I'm going to do some stuff really great and God's going to celebrate that. And I'm going to blow some stuff. And the good news is, is that God is still loving me in love with me passionately and that he has his eye on my child We joke about it, but none of us are getting out of here alive, in the words of the great poet Jim Morrison. But none of us are getting out of here unscathed either, because we're all stumbling towards redemption together. And God's repair for that is not to make you perfect, but to give you someone who is. Someone who can take the broken pieces of your life and fill up those cracks and make it perfect. And I would ask each of you today to consider that. Proverbs 31, I look at you, I look at you, Shannon, and I see a Proverbs 31 woman, and I wish nothing more than you to see the same in yourself. And I know that there are those around you that see that, and maybe you don't get that credit the side of heaven, but know that there's coming a Mother's Day, the mother of all days, when Jesus is going to look at you and reward. It says he is not unfaithful to forget your righteous deeds. His promise for your children is you train up a child in the way that they will go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Some of your kids are on the scenic route to heaven. You can rest and trust in that promise. And you can rest in the fact that whether your job as a mother was perfect or not, his is. He is faithful and just to complete that work that he started in your child. He is faithful and just to complete it. Can you believe that this morning? Can you grandmas believe that? Can you mamas of kids that are grown believe that? Can you mamas of little babies believe that and allow yourself some breathing room? I hope you can. As our worshipers are coming back, I want to pray for mamas. When you leave today, we have a little flower for you at the beginning, at the end, at the end, at the back and at the front. And there's little devotionals there. But if you don't take anything else with you, a flower or not, take with you 
grace. Take with you Jesus, the author, the finisher of your children. We're not raising children, we're raising adults. We are stewarding him this side of heaven. Father, would you give us wisdom this morning? I just want so much for you to, uh, for these mamas here today to just understand how much we think of them, how blown away we are by them, and how even their own children who maybe can't even articulate it feel about them. Would you make that real in our hearts this morning and in the mama's hearts? As we look not to Mother's Day for our affirmation, but to you, Father, to you, Jesus, we know that you look on us. Every mama in here, you look on them and say, wow, you're awesome. You're the apple of my eye. The, the, The love that you have for them, would you just permeate their hearts with that this morning? as we look forward to the mother of all days. In Jesus' name.